This morning, we have agreed that we are talking about enforcing the will of God. Some say enforcing, enforcing the will of God. The will of God. Wow. What does that mean? In the first place, what is the will of God? I want us to digest today's message so that you will appreciate what our role is as far as New Testament saints or the life of the New Testament saint is concerned. What is the will of God in the first place before we talk about enforcing it? The word that we use as will has been translated in various ways in scripture. One of them is covenant. Another word is testament. So we have the old covenant and we have the new covenant. We have the old testament we have the New Testament. We have the old will, and then we have the new will. Hallelujah. Are you there? So covenant or testament or will, the three words mean the same thing. But oftentimes we use the word will because the will of God is also the word of God in a way. And I'll quote a scripture very soon that will make us appreciate that the will of God is actually the word of God. So, I know that many times we, we claim, let me use the word claim, that the Old Testament has been abolished. The old covenant has been abolished. The old will has been abolished. And therefore, does that mean we don't need the Old Testament or the old covenant or the old will? That is a question many of us must answer so that we will know how to approach scripture and how like Paul told Timothy how to rightly divide the word of truth. Hallelujah. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 he says steady to show yourselves approved unto God a workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth this is the point if the word of truth is to be rightly divided it also suppose or it presupposes that the word of truth can also be wrongly divided hallelujah but what did paul mean by dividing the word of truth let me give you a picture in john 1 17 john said the law was given by Moses. Okay? But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Thomas said the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, the law of Moses foreshadowed the coming Christ. And by that, I mean that all the rituals, all the practices of blood, sacrifices, washings, abolitions, burning of incense, burning of that, all those things were pointing to an ultimate sacrifice. And that sacrifice was the sacrifice of the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. So, 
That law that was given by Moses when Christ came, Bible says it was written in the volumes of the book concerning Christ. He came and fulfilled all that was written concerning him. And when he died, please take note, when he died, he abolished that law. In other words, after his death, there is no need for anybody to begin to make some efforts to offer another sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice has been made. Is that okay? That is a revelation in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant or in the Old Will concerning the Messiah. But the question is, if Christ died and abolished the law, the law of Moses, abolished the law of rituals, the law of, you know, washings and sacrifices does that mean therefore that the old testament as a book has also been abolished no is that okay it doesn't mean in other words there are some things that are written under the old covenant or in the old testament or in the old will that pointed to the coming christ and he came fulfilled all those things and when he died he abolished them and yet, there are some other things that are also written in the Old Covenant, in the Old Will, in the Old Testament, that concern the new man in Christ, which Paul tells Timothy that rightly divide those words from the one that has been abolished. In other words, separate, the word divided, separate the ones that concern the new man from the one that concerns Christ, which has been abolished. Please, am I communicating? So, if anybody tells you, because sometimes we stretch truth to the extreme and we can harm ourselves. Somebody can tell you that, oh, the Old Testament has been abolished. It is, it is too, too, what is the word? It is too vague a statement to make. It's vague for you to say the Old Testament has been abolished. It doesn't, it's not entirely true. It is a certain practice in the Old Testament, a certain behavior, the law was only a shadow. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, truth is reality. What do you need a shadow when you have the real? I'm asking the question. What do you need a shadow for when you have the real? So when Christ came, we don't need a shadow again. That is what it means by the law has been abolished. But then there are some things, I will show you an example for instance, and there are a lot of examples still under the Old Covenant which reveal the will of God and which concern us and must be enforced. Hallelujah. But the difference between the Old Testament and the Old uh, and the New Testament or the Old Will and the New Will or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is that in the New Covenant, in the New Will, in the New Testament, you find a, a complete picture of all that we have become in Christ Jesus. Particularly the epistles of the New Testament. I want you to take note of something. Before the epistles were written, somebody like Paul, if you find Paul's writings, Paul was studying the old covenant and he was dividing the word of truth. He was separating the words that concern us in the old covenant and he made it you know, the revelation of the new will. Please, are you following? He separate, that is how the scriptures were written. Before 
Timothy, I mean, or before Timothy was written, when Paul was telling Timothy that study to show yourself approved, which book was he talking about? The Old Covenant. In other words, separate the word of truth that is in the Old Covenant from the one that has been abolished. You must know the difference. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. If we are to grow, we must learn or study both the old covenant, the old will, and the new will, and find out the ones that have been written concerning us and enforce them. Hallelujah. So don't say that, well, I don't need the Old Testament. I don't dwell in the Old Testament. And that, by that, I mean that I don't dwell in the practices that Moses and co. gave that have been abolished. I don't dwell there. I can learn from them, but I don't dwell there because the ultimate has been done, which is Jesus Christ. Is that okay? But it doesn't mean that we don't need certain revelations in the old covenant. I'm dwelling on this because I know that if we don't take care, we can stretch truth to the extreme and we can harm ourselves. We have, being half-baked, half-truth is, is, is more dangerous than outright error. I said half-truth is what? More dangerous than outright error. So it's good that we have complete truth, whole truth, so that we can be whole in Jesus' holy name. Somebody say amen. So I've just laid a background to let you know that there is what we call the will of God. Well, in modern times, if somebody dies, okay, or before the person dies, usually people write a will. Is that right? And a will... It's not read or it's not effected. It's not enforced until the death of the one that roots the wheel. And it is also scripture. I think Hebrews chapter 9 verse 17. Can somebody read it for me? Hebrews 9 17. It is there. I'm going somewhere. Just follow and then you understand what God wants us to do as far as today and the rest of this year is concerned. Hebrews 9 17. Who is there? Hebrews 9, 17. For a will is vague only when a person dies. It's in veil. It's void. It's, it's valid. Okay. Can I read your verse? Okay. Is it what? Hebrews 9:17. Let me read her version. I'll go to the new. For a will is valid only when people die, since it is never enforced while the one who made it is living. Somebody say amen. amen. A testament, yes. The, the new this new King James, is that right? Okay. Hebrews 9:17. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator leaves. Who is the testator? The one who wrote the will. Do you know what God is giving us? I want you to take note of the word force. Some say force. A, a will is in force. In other words, it must be enforced after the death of the testator. That is why people take lawyers. Is that not so? And then they say that, you know, according to, because if you don't take care, usually when people die, that is when there's family commotion. Somebody says, you know, wifey, leave this family. You know, all the property. Meanwhile, probably the man laid everything for his wife and the children. And let just a little for the rest of the family. But if a lawyer does not come in to enforce the will, chances are that they can chase a woman out. 
being the widow who suffered with a man, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because probably she is ignorant of the will that the husband might have written in her name. Hallelujah. But take note of that word. Her version says a will is valid after after a person dies. It's valid. In other words, after Christ had died, and in, in, the, in the case of Christ, he didn't only die, he actually rose again to supervise the enforcement of his will. Are you there? I said, Christ didn't only die, he actually rose again that, hey, nobody should cheat you. This is what I have written as my will for you. And it must be enforced. Somebody say, enforce. Okay, let me give you a picture of a will that was written under the old covenant that is relevant even in the new covenant. And I, I said all that I said from the beginning to let you have the idea that don't just say, okay, I am only going to dwell in the new will because there are some things that are written concerning us under the old will that are still relevant in the new will. It is like somebody who wrote a will and as time went on, he decided that he's going to renew it. It doesn't mean that you just do away with the entire old will. Some of the things that were in the old will be up upgraded in the new. Is that true? All right. Isaiah 54, verse 17 is a typical example. There are a lot of such examples, but let me just give that example. Isaiah 54, verse 17, which a lot of us are acquainted with. It says, No weapon formed, fashioned, calculated, designed, devised against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Then he said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Are we not servants of the Lord? And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Say, my righteousness is from the Lord. That gives you a picture of the new man in Christ. So you can't say that because it's in the old will, therefore it's not relevant for the new man in Christ. It's still relevant. Have I given you an example? That's what I'm trying to get across to you. That Don't say that because we have a new will, it means we don't need the old will. There are some things that were shadows that have been abolished in Christ Jesus. That one we cannot go back to the practice of abolitions, washings, animal sacrifices, burning of incense, burning of candles. Will you go back to that? Why? Because Christ fulfilled all those things. They were all pointing to the coming Christ. And when he came and lived and died, he abolished them and nailed it to his cross. So we don't need those practices under the old covenant. And yet, there are some things that were written under the old covenant that concern you and me. Like Isaiah 54 verse 17 we just read. And many more of such revelations. So when you are studying the scripture, like Paul told Timothy, you've got to be able to identify the word of truth and separate it from the one that, do you get the point? Separate, rightly dividing. Don't, don't, let, don't let it, you know, don't skip over it. Don't just ignore it. There are some things under the old covenant that concern you and me. Take it and make it yours. And Everything that concerns us is actually written in the new covenant, particularly the epistles. When I say the epistles, I'm talking about from Romans to the book of Jude or even to Revelation. Everything concerning us is written there. Everything. 
Some of them are scattered under the old covenant and all of them are in the new covenant. And God wants you and me to enforce them because the testator has died and incidentally he rose again and he wants to supervise the enforcement. That is why we do it in his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I give you practical examples now of some of the will that God would want us to enforce as far as this year, the year of the prophetic is concerned. I'll go there. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Verse 4. 1 John 4, 4. Very powerful revelation of God's will for you and me. Look at the first thing. Say, you are of God. That alone, that alone is mind-blowing. Some say, I am of God. Hey. You are of God. It means you proceed from God. It means your origin is in God or from God. It means that your root your identity is in God. Do you know that when you are going through challenges, one of the things that you can use to encourage yourself and, as it were, put the enemy where he belongs is this verse of scripture. This is God's will. This is God's word. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That is rightly dividing God's will for your life. That's what Paul told Timothy. He said, you are you hail from God. You proceed from God. Your origin is in God. You are, you are born of God. Hallelujah. That alone should make you a master and not a slave. The moment you hear you are of God, say, I am of God. That's how to respond to God's will. God says you are. You say I am. Is that clear? You are of God. Then it's a little children. The Greek word is technion. The word translated children is technion. Technion has to do with somebody who is a biological child. In other words, he's telling you that you are the very child of God. He's not dealing with somebody who was adopted. And even here, he was talking about infants, little children. John, you know, he lived in the fullness of his days as an old apostle and so he was addressing probably grandchildren or children you know that have been born in the faith this is the picture if little children have overcome like we'll just read then how about more the adults say you are of god little children and will overcome them is that what he said hey take note of god's word please when you're reading god's will it matters how you identify the revelation so you can you can enforce it. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Somebody says, who are the them? We'll find it in the next line. Because scripture answers scripture. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Then he said, because what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the word them has to do with those who are in the world that are functioning contrary to the one on the inside of you. 
How do we now enforce God's will in this regard? If he says, you have overcome them, you tell yourself, I have overcome. That's how to respond to God's word. He says, you have. So he says, I have. Not because you feel like it. Not because you look like it. Not because the circumstances say so. But because the word, the will says so. We respond to God's word by faith. If he says you hail from God, you know, John said, he who is from above is what? Is above all. So if he says you are from God and God is from above, then you are above that situation. So he tells us, I am of God. I hail from God. I am born of God. My origin is in God. I proceed from God. I am above. Therefore, I am above whatever that is outside that is contrary to god's will you are above you talk like it you act like it you think like it that's how to enforce the will of god will somebody exercise his faith this morning no wonder paul told timothy he said fight the good fight of faith it's a good fight because faith is always the victor that's first john 5 verse 4 he says and this is he said, whatever is born of God overcomes. Oh my God. Did you hear that? Whatever. If your business was born of God, it has overcome the competition. You tell your business, business, this one came from God. You have overcome. It doesn't matter the contest and the competition and the rivalry. You tell the business, speak to the business. You know, Jesus spoke to a tree and the tree had it. It tells you that everything that God created has intelligence. You can speak to that car. Car, you are moving to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. If it has been misbehaving, you, the moment you get your salary, that is how this vehicle just, you say, hey, whatever is born of God, unless you decided to just go and take something that would just disturb you. But if it was born of God, that's the key. Then you tell yourself you have overcome all these trials. You have overcome all these challenges. You have overcome whatever is born of God. It is already revealed in the word of God. And the mystery about the will of God is that it is forever settled in heaven. Unfortunately, it's not yet settled here on earth. Somebody must enforce it. And it is not the one who died who enforced it. He has given us his name. It is like the will. You hold the will. It's said, ah. The man that died says that this is what he has written. I mean, and it is in his name. So when we say in the name of Jesus, we are actually saying that this is the document that reveals his will. So in his name, I am doing that in his name. He's, he, in his will, he has, he has written that I have overcome. If he says I have overcome, then hey, whatever you want to overcome, whatever is around me that wants to overcome me, I have overcome according to the will. So I enforce God's will. I superimpose God's will. Learn to put Satan where he belongs. Because he is roaring like a lion. Seeking whom he may devour. He says, That's intimidation tactics. Just to put fear in you. And because fear is of him, of Satan, once he gets fear in you, he has a doorway he will connect. That's why he tells us, Fear not. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter the challenge that comes against us. Let me tell you something. The greatest, the greatest fear that can ever come to any human being is when that individual loses his soul eternally. That's the greatest fear. And if Christ took our place, if he became sin for us, died our death, went to hell in our name, and therefore we are not going into eternal damnation, 
then forget it. It doesn't matter what we go through. We can surmount it. Hallelujah. We can enforce the will of God. He said, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. So you take God by his word. Say, hey, Satan, I have the spirit of God on the inside. That is why a child of God who is born again must receive the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost will lift up a standard when the enemy comes in like a flood. So you can live the super life. Today, we are here to enforce the will of God. Are you there? The year is about to close. And there are some things that will not be done until somebody says it's like a law enforcement agent you know a law enforcement agent when people those who collect tax is it january ghana revenue authority and you evade tax when they come to your office or your shop what do they do the first thing the first thing they do is what lock up you know put a notice you are wanted as soon as you please and everything that you owe, if you don't take care, you even pay penalty. That is what we call enforcing the law. And this is, this is greater than any law that you can talk about. This is the will of God for you and me. Hallelujah. Amen. But it will not come into effect just because he said it. A will is not enforced until the death of the testator. The testator has died. And interestingly, he rose again. He's around supervising and ensuring that you and me will use his name to let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So I am encouraging all of us this morning that as the year draws to a close, this is 11th November, very soon the year will draw to a close. And God has told us that this is the year of the prophetic. That means the year of his will. But the will of God will not be done just because it is the year of his will. It will be done because somebody decided to enforce that will. Are you there? Let me say this again. I said this is the year of what? The prophetic. We have said that the prophetic simply means the will of God. But the Father God says this is the year of the prophetic. Doesn't mean if in, in case you presume that because it's the, will, the year of the will of God, the year of the prophetic, so God's will will be done automatically, you got it wrong. I said you did what? You got it wrong. But it's not too late. We can change the gear and begin to identify his will from both the old covenant and then a lot in the new covenant. Take it as it is. If God says you are, you say I am. If God says you have, you say I have. If God says, for instance, Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, who has, he is not good. He said, I am blessed, hallelujah. You may not look blessed, but you tell yourself, I am blessed. Therefore, anything that looks like a curse, get out of my life. And so shall it be. That's how to enforce his will. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for peace was laid upon him. So he told us, if it was laid upon him, then it must not be laid upon me. The thing that brought me peace was not laid upon me, but upon him. And by his stripes, Isaiah says, you are healed. Peter says, you were healed. First Peter 2.24, you were healed. If I was healed, then I'm still healed. Because whatever God does shall be forever. So sickness, you are not permitted. Get out of my body. Because he says, I was healed. You enforce his will. Hallelujah. Is somebody getting the point? rightly dividing the word of truth take the word of truth and enforce it don't let it just be in the word the word that is there respond to it respond to it 
Like Hebrews 13 verse 5 and 6 says, he says, let your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But he didn't end there. The next line says, so that we may boldly say. What he has said is what we boldly say. Take God by his word and say it to yourself. The whole of last week I've been bringing devotion, talking about talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. That's one way to enforce the will of God. Talk to yourself. Don't go and stand somewhere talking to somebody. It doesn't concern you. Talk to yourself. What you have said, take it and speak it to yourself. If the man says, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I may not look like I'm blessed. My circumstances may not tell that I'm blessed. But you said I am blessed, so I am blessed. And before you know it, that word is showing in your life. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word will become a reality. Because there are angels waiting for your word to enforce. We don't just do it by ourselves. There are angels waiting for your word. How you respond to God's word. You take God by his word. Then the angels will implement it. According to Psalm 103 verse 20. It says, blessed be the angels of God that excel in strength. That do his commandments. We hearken to the voice of his word angels are ready as we are sitting here right now angels they are just ready all they are waiting for is somebody who knows the will and who seeks to enforce it and they will act with you because they are ministering spirits according to hebrews chapter one he says are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation so he said minister for take note minister for thank god next week by the grace of god and next two weeks as the Lord will direct, I will be teaching on a line of thought I've never taught in this house before. Our relationship with God's ministers. Okay? Someone say, our relationship with God's ministers. There's a lot for us to, you know, identify in the scriptures. As far as the way to relate with God's ministers is concerned. And as we discover it, we will benefit a lot. Hallelujah. But here, the minister, the scripture is talking about in Hebrews 1, I think verse 14, has to do with angels. They are also ministers. In other words, they are servants. We are servants of the Lord. Angels are also servants. He said, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for? Can we verify? Hebrews 1, verse 14. If you find it, let me know if it is Hebrews 1, 14. Is that right? All right. And let me quote it rightly. He says, Hebrews 1 14, he says, And are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Have you inherited salvation? Then this scripture concerns you. To minister for is different from minister to. To minister for is what in our term we call an attendant in a hotel or in a restaurant. He waits on you. Somebody who just attends to you. He's around just waiting for instruction. If you don't tell him you want, you want what food would you want to eat in a hotel? Hey, what? Jack chicken. Say it, please. Jack chicken. Even the way he said it with his tongue, eh? You know that this man loves. <laughs> so if you don't say Jack, I don't know. I've not even heard it before. Please say it. Dave. Hey, say what? Jack chicken. You need to you need to leave another US or UK before you can even pronounce this one. Say jerk chicken. Hallelujah. If you don't say jerk chicken, you can be in the restaurant or the hotel all day 
nothing will be saved you. In fact, at best, they'll come and find out, please, can we help you so that they can chase you out because maybe you're just wasting your air conditioning. But what you order for is what is giving you and then you also pay for it. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Angels will not act just because they are around. This is the, mis the, the, the you know, misinformation a lot of God's children have. They don't know how to activate God's angels in force with them to enforce God's will. Bible says how forcible are right words. Some say forcible. In other words, right words penetrate like light through darkness. When you speak the right word, you release an angel. Because that right word, it's, 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 it sinks with the word of God. That right word, there can never be a right word that is not based on the word of God. Every right word is the word of God. Hallelujah. Am I, am I saying the truth? Because the word is truth. So every right word is the word of God. So once you speak the right word, angels say, hey, I just heard, I just saw a wavelength. Let me move in that, you know, in that line. And they flow according to your word and implement what you have spoken. But you're also sitting there complaining. Hey, the year is about to close. Oh. Year after year, God has said that he will do A, B, C. This is 2018. And you are crying. And God says, I don't operate by tears. At best, your tears are stored. According to the Psalms, your tears are stored in bottles in heaven. Well, waiting for you. Did you hear that? It's in scripture. Our tears are stored in bottles. Every tear you've ever shed, angels take it and store it in a bottle. Whether it was hypocritical tear, or it was genuine tears, or tears of mourning, or tears of joy, all of them, they are different labels in heaven. Heaven is a place of record. You have no idea. They are books. According to the scriptures, there are books that reveal, you know, all that we are doing. And there are angels responsible for every one of them. But this one, I'm talking about angels responsible for our ways. Don't shut your mouth. Your tongue was given to you for you to release yourself into the will of God. Are you there? Don't let this year close without using your tongue aright. Speak the word. Look for any will, whether it's hidden in the old covenant, in the old will, or in the new will. Look for it and take it as your word and begin to speak it to yourself. Hallelujah. Like we're quoting first John 5 4. It says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is death. It's not a it's death. It's a definite victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if you're a child of faith, you're an overcomer. Tell us, I have overcome sin. I have overcome poverty. I have overcome sickness. I have overcome death. Tell yourself. Not because you feel like it, but because the word says so. And you responded to it as such. Please, are you ready? I'm not here to preach. I'm here to just admonish us so that we can use God's word to see his faith. His, his will done in our lives here on earth. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I don't know what is in the world that is seeking to overcome you. Maybe it's sin. The Bible says, lay aside every weight 
and the sin that easily besets you but we call it besetting sin that makes you easily fall so you keep on falling and rising and falling and rising but today you will rise and stand hallelujah how is that possible you just tell yourself it's it's in scripture in in first john 5 i think verse 18 you see it's good to know the word of god it's good to know the will of god okay i just quoted something if somebody is struggling with sin for instance i just quoted first john 5 18 let me verify whether it's so first john 5 verse 18 yeah it's there he said we know oh if you don't know you don't know for my people perish because they don't know we know that whoever is born of god does not sin did you hear that so you are struggling with sin and the will of god says we know the greek word is i do we are aware that whoever say whoever is born of god didn't you read in first john 4 4 that whatever i mean you are of god you are born of god whoever is born of god does not sin it, it, the greek phrase does not sin actually means does not continue to live in sin he does not let me finish the verse whoever is born of god does not sin but he who has been born of god keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him hey man the wicked one does not the wicked one does not so if satan is touching you there are two things that may be happening it's possible that you don't know the scripture therefore you are opening the door so satan has taken advantage and is touching you or you might not have opened the door but satan is just messing you up and you two say me 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 country hey you've got to confront with the satan get out of here who dare you touch my business who dare you touch my my marriage who dare you the word says that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. No wonder Jesus said, The prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. Satan didn't have his nature in Jesus. That is why he could not touch Jesus. Do you know Jesus could not touch Jesus? It was Jesus who willingly offered himself. Isaiah prophesied it and said, Like a lamb led to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. He just left quietly to be slaughtered for you and me. To show that he willingly offered himself when they came to the garden of Gethsemane and he asked them, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. When he said, I am he, what happened to them? All of them, boom. They stood up from the ground. Then he asked them again, who are you looking for? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. When he said, I am he, let his words alone could who slid them to the floor? Somebody say, I am he. When he say, I am he, he said, He falls. Learn to talk. Hallelujah. Don't shut your mouth, child of God. Your mouth is your. Is it the Greek word translated mouth is stoma. Stoma means the edge of a weapon. Are you there? Stoma is what? The edge of a weapon. It's like you have a cutlass. Hey, use and a cutlass, a double edged sword, can cut here and cut there. So if you don't take care, you can use the same edge of a weapon to destroy yourself. Those of us who are just talking anyhow, Bible says you are snared with the words of your mouth. Your words can trap you. Your words can limit you. Your words can stop you from entering God's will. Many of us are here today simply because we use our tongue in the right way. 
and many have also found themselves in some trouble because of the wrong use of their tongue i prophesy today you will talk yourself out of trouble you will talk yourself out of sin you will talk yourself out of sickness you will talk yourself out of poverty you will talk yourself out of shame you will talk yourself out of reproach you will talk yourself out of divorce you will talk yourself out of every limitation in the name of jesus christ